It's been a tough year for the New York Jets, but there have been some bright spots. We're talking best and worst of 2023 today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new, new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out and helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Well, it is the final week of the season for the New York Jets. The last game of 2023 actually comes in 2024. It's Sunday at New England against the Patriots. This is the week where Jets players vote on their team awards. Uh, you'll, you'll hear later in the week, the Jets announced their team MVP for 2023. They have a couple other awards. They have one for community service. They have one for the rookie who acts like a pro. Today, I'm going to give out my own awards for the 2023 season. It's been a tough year for the Jets. Of course, we'll have some negative awards. We'll have the worst coach of the year. We'll have the least valuable player. The LVP always generates a lot of discussion, but I also want to recognize some great performances. So I'm going to begin with the my team MVP for the year 2023. This really came down to two players, and these were the two players who were widely viewed as the two best players on the roster heading into the season. These were both first-team All-Pros last year, and for some reason, and I think I understand why in both cases, people view their 2023 as a little disappointing considering what they did in 2022. And of course, if you haven't figured out who these two players are, they are Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner. And I think that you can make a very strong case. These have been the two best players on the team this year. With all due respect to Garrett Wilson, who had a 1,000 yards in a broken offense, I still got to look to Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner. And maybe part of it is just, I don't know if I can go with an offensive player for most valuable player because the value for the Jets was mostly on the defensive side of the ball. And as I mentioned, I feel like there is this idea that Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner have both been a little disappointing this season. Now, in Quinn and Williams' case, I feel like that's because the sack numbers are down. You know, you had double-digit sacks last year, not quite as many this year. But if you look, he's generated more pressures than he did a year ago. And pressures tend to be stable year to year. Sacks tend not to be. And that's particularly true at the defensive tackle position. Defensive tackle is a spot where, unless you're Aaron Donald or Chris Jones, you're probably not going to consistently put up double-digit sacks. You know, you're dealing with much more traffic. If you're a great defensive tackle, you're going to get a lot of double teams. You know, I see people talking about Quinn and Williams, and they're saying, well, the reason he doesn't have many sacks this year is he's dealing with a lot of double teams. Teams are scheming to take him away. That's technically true, but that's also part of the position. You know, there's five offensive linemen. There are ten. There are four pass rushers unless you blitz, so five versus four. Somebody's getting double teamed, and usually the guy that's getting double teamed is one of the interior guys, which is the spot Quinn and Williams plays. With that in mind, though, again, the pressures – are even higher. And again, sacks are not consistent year to year. Pressures are. 
And a lot of whether pressures are converted into sacks comes down to the quarterback you're playing. You know, last year, Jets played a lot of backup quarterbacks. You know, they were playing a lot of guys who didn't really know what they were doing in the pocket. So a good quarterback kind of understands he can't he can't avoid pressure. You know, pressure really comes down to whether the defensive lineman beats the offensive lineman. But he can avoid sacks. You know, he can step up in the pocket. He can, you know, he can move outside the pocket if need be. He can also get rid of the ball quickly. He can find his hot route, his check down, and get the ball out. And that's this year, the Jets, I think, you know, they haven't faced as many backup quarterbacks. So I'm going to attribute Quinnen's lower sack total to that to a large degree. But he's still gen- still getting a lot of pressures. And one of the things you, you'll find is that if a guy generates a lot of pressures, the sacks will follow. You know, some, sometimes you have a down year. Sometimes you have, just have a year where things don't click on the sack front. And the reverse is also true. If you generate a lot of sacks, but you, you don't generate a lot of pressures, your sack rate's probably going to go down the next year. Great example of that is Vic Beasley, this guy who played with Atlanta, and he led the NFL in sacks in 2016, but his pressure rate was very low. And it was pretty clear that the, the sack total was was not was going to follow that. The, the, the sack rate follows the pressure rate, not the other way around. And lo and behold, Vic Beasley never really generated a lot of sacks ever again in his career. He had one year where it just kind of all clicked for him. But to sustain it, you have to be in the backfield a lot. If you're in the backfield a lot, you're going to get sacks. And Quentin Williams continues to play really well. If you watch him on a play-to-play play basis, if you're watching the film, I don't need to tell you, Quentin Williams continues to dominate. And then you also have Sauce Gardner. Now, I think Sauce's issue is that he set the standard so impossibly high his rookie season that it's like if he ever gives up a completion or if he ever has a bad drive, much less a bad game, people are like, well, he's not he's not that good this year. But he's playing great. If you look, if you compare him to other corners in the NFL, he's up there with anybody. I mean, He's allowed the third fewest coverage yards in the NFL of any corner who's played at least half his team snaps. The thing is, he's only missed one game. The only two guys who are higher than him have played less games than him. He's averaging, he's given up less yards, less receiving yards this year than he did last year when he won rookie of the year and he was a first team all pro. He's allowing fewer yards per cover snap than he did last year when he was rookie of the year and first team all pro. He, again, I think it's just like people's expectations are so through the roof for sauce. Teams don't throw at him anymore. He, and that, that happened his rookie season. I remember Darrell Revis. It wasn't until year four where teams stopped throwing at him. It was 2010 where teams just finally gave up on that, si- that side of the field if they saw Revis there. It saw, it ha- with Sauce, it happened his first season. And Revis was a rookie in 07. He was there in 08. 09 is the famous Revis season. And part of the reason it's so famous is that he covered the other team's number one receiver all the time. And teams still threw at him. That's one of the reasons it was see, Revis led the NFL in, in uh, passes defensed in 2009 because teams did not stop, not figure out they needed to, to stop throwing at him till the next season. Sauce, in, it was, and it was year one. In year two, already has the respect where teams just don't go after him anymore. And this leads to the, the debate, should the Jets maybe have Sauce follow the other team's best receiver more consistently instead of just putting him at the, on the left side most of the time? You know, that, that's a debate we can have this offseason. I think that would actually be a very interesting show topic. But the bottom line is that Sauce Gardner is playing phenomenal football. He is a legitimate shutdown corner in a league where they're trying, the rules essentially have taken most shutdown corners out of, out of, out of commission. I mean, I think if you can ca- probably count the number of shutdown corners on one or two hands remaining in this league. And that's why Sauce is such a valuable weapon. And that's to me, is what gives Sauce the edge. I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner. Slightly over Quinn and Williams, you know, it's a. I feel like it's a coin toss. You could go either way. Both guys having excellent seasons. Both guys having Pro Bowl caliber seasons. Both guys still in the All Pro mix. And for whatever reason, people and I gave you the reasons. 
people a little disappointed. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's completely fair, but I just think like everything is like set up to take sauce Gardner away. And that's what makes it more valuable is that there are, there, there aren't many players like Quinn and Williams, but there are a lot of guys who are great defensive linemen. There are lots of great defensive tackles. And if you don't get quite, you know, maybe you get like, I don't know, 80% of Quinn and Williams, you can get like 80%. You can't find another sauce Gardner anywhere. So I'm going with Sauce as my team MVP this year, and I'd like to raise—I'd like to kind of raise awareness for how great Sauce Gardner's been because he has been dominant this year, and I feel like people don't understand how great he's been. So let this be my my declaration that Sauce Gardner is an amazing corner and has a phenomenal 2023 season. Now, ahead here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to the coaching staff. This coaching staff is much maligned, you know. So a lot of the criticism is fair. But there are a couple of guys who I think have done a really good job this season, and they kind of fly under the radar. So I'm going to give them a shout-out as we continue on this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. And I have just the game for you. Jets head to Foxborough in Week 18, their annual road game at New England against the Patriots. The Patriots are favored in this game. The Jets getting disrespected. And, you know, Jets are probably a team that deserves to be disrespected. But the Patriots are two-and-a-half-point favorites on at home against the Jets. Over-under this game is a very, very low 30.5. Probably fair given how bad these two offenses are. So that could be a game to bet. Again, 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet. And the app is easy to use. And there's so many different ways to bet, like using like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Again, fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. And a big shout out to you, everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day through the week, Monday through Friday. And if you're watching on YouTube, this will be the final day you see this background. I'm leaving San Diego today after a wonderful holiday with family. San Diego, one of my favorite cities. Uh, we won't see the normal background until Monday because I'm still doing a little bit more traveling as we wind up, as we wind through the holiday, what, as we wrap up the holidays. And today on Locked On Jets, we are focused on giving out some awards. Now we're going to move on to Jets Coach of the Year. And you might be saying, Jets Coach of the Year, is there any Jets coach who actually deserves a shout-out? You're probably thinking Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett when you say that. But yes, there are, are some Jets coaches who have done an excellent job. In fact, I think two of the three coordinators have done a really good job. Grant Boyer producing another excellent special teams unit. And Jeff Ulbrich doing a good job with the defense. Now you may say, well, how much is Ulbrich really doing? It's Sala's defense. Uh, you know, people are saying, you know, people may say, you know, this is a pretty simple scheme. Ulbrich doesn't do a whole lot with that. Well, I'll say, first of all, he's implemented the defense. Second of all, Salah has said that he's turned a lot of the responsibilities over to Ulbrich. But here's the other point I'm going to make. Two years ago, when the Jets had a horrible defense, everybody criticized Ulbrich. Ulbrich was the most criticized guy in the fan base. Now that the defense is good, and you never hear a word about Jeff Ulbrich. So let's give Jeff Ulbrich a shout out. But my attention is going to focus on two position coaches when we talk about Jets coach of the year linebackers coach Mike Ruttenberg and defensive line coach Aaron White Cotton. You never really hear much talk about these position coaches. You hear a lot about Calabrese, the quarterback's coach, you know, when people criticize the position coaches. But how about two guys who have done a really good job? At the linebacker position, 
Quincy Williams has developed into a phenomenal player, a guy who should be going to the Pro Bowl this year, a guy who should merit all pro consideration. And I remember back in the offseason when the Jets re-signed him, my response was kind of, eh, whatever. And Quincy Williams was okay. Made some big plays, whiffed on some big plays, played out of control. That was good and bad. You know, he'd deliver a big hit, but he'd also run himself out of plays. The linebackers coach, and again, you probably you may not have heard this name, Mike Ruttenberg, has worked with him and helped channel the aggression in a way where he still makes the big plays, but you see fewer bad plays. You know, Quincy Williams has turned into an impact linebacker. And I would argue that's made C.J. Mosley better because C.J. Mosley, you know, not a perfect fit for Robert Sala's system. You know, Robert Sala likes mobile linebackers. Mosley came up in Baltimore. You know, in Baltimore, it's more about playing physical. It's more about getting off blocks, more about delivering the big hit. And Mosley could kind of do that more. He could be more of a stay-at-home linebacker. Quincy could take the tough assignments and coverage. And we saw you saw what happened. What happens when that doesn't happen? You see, we saw what happened when CJ ends up with the tough assignments last week, uh, Thursday night football in Cleveland when he got matched up against David and Joku frequently. But Quincy Williams has really developed. And can we give the coach some credit there? We we give the coaches enough grief when they don't play well. But so my honorable mention to Mike Ruttenberg. But my coach of the year for the Jets is Aaron White Cotton, the defensive line coach. Look, the Jets have done a great job developing defensive linemen. I mean, Quinnen Williams was a good player when Robert Sala came here. He's now a great player. And again, the coaching staff deserves credit. It's not just Sala. It's not just Albrecht. Give the give the position coaches some credit as well. But I'll go a step further. I mean, look at the young guys who have developed here. Young guys who, you know, maybe were a little bit raw. Jermaine Johnson. You know, this was Jermaine's make-or-break year. I said it all offseason. I said it heading into the season. This was, It had to happen this year. Jermaine was kind of old when the Jets drafted him. And when you get an old prospect, you do, they don't have the luxury of, of, you know, three years to get it going. They're already, like, near their prime. So they don't, you know, it's, it's like it's now or never. It was a make-or-break year. Make for Jermaine Johnson. He's de- de- developed into a very good defensive end. And he's the type of guy who's not just a pass rusher. He can play the run. He's the type of guy who could stay on the field three downs if the Jets didn't rotate guys in and out consistently. And how about Bryce Huff? You know how I feel about Bryce Huff. Undrafted rookie in 2020. He's developed into a player. He's developed into a player the Jets need to keep. Like, I don't know why there hasn't been more, more progress on contract extension talks. This is a guy you keep. I'm going to be, I'm just going to lay it out there right now. This is a guy you keep. So Jets developing a lot of young defensive line talent. I give Aaron Wade Cotton the credit. He's my Jets coach of the year. Now, let's move on to worst Jets coach of the year. Well, you know who that's going to be, Nathaniel Hackett. This hire was very uninspired. We know why they hired him. They, in part, in big part, because they wanted to get Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers had that relationship with him. I guess that worked, even though the whole situation really hasn't worked out for the Jets. You see the danger in doing something like this, though. You know, sometimes your best laid plans don't work out. And when Nathaniel Hackett had to start coaching, this offense had no shot. Now, I don't want to blame it all on Rodgers because, look, he and Robert Sala worked together in Jacksonville, so I'm sure there was a connection there. Sala's list of coordinator candidates last year was pretty uninspiring to begin with. They picked the worst one of the group. So maybe Sala should be my choice. But, I mean, I've never seen a less imaginative Jets offense than the one that Daniel Hackett's run, how infrequently guys are schemed open. You know, and I'm kind of glad that Zach Wilson got benched because people could see that it wasn't just – people wanted to put everything on Zach Wilson. It was not all Zach Wilson's fault. And once Tim Boyle went in there, who, by the way, was a guy Nathaniel Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers handpicked, and blaming Hackett more than I'm blaming Rodgers for that. Um, yeah, you saw you saw how well Hackett's handpicked backup quarterback worked. 
you know, awful. Like we can go on about Nathaniel Hackett. I'm sure I will in the off season. Just dreadful work from Nathaniel Hackett this year. Gets worse, worst coach of the year. Rookie of the year is a tough one. Last year was a tough one for different reasons because we had three great ones. This year, you really haven't gotten a whole lot from the rookie class. I guess it has to be Joe Tipman by default because Will McDonald hasn't really played a lot. The guys drafted after Tipman haven't really played a lot. I mean, I guess Xavier Gibson's gotten some playing time when he won them that game with the punt return, but he hasn't done a whole lot. Jason Brownlee's getting some action, but you know that's late season stuff. Joe Tipman's really the only guy who's had a consequential role for the Jets this season. And, of course, it's been up and down, but I still have hopes for Tipman. He's been thrown into a tough spot. He had to change positions on the fly. You know, He hadn't really played a lot of guard in his career. Had to go in there early in the season when the Jets suffered some injuries up front. I thought he held up pretty well at guard. Then had to move to center, which is a natural position. I don't think it's going quite as well at center, but you know he's had a lot of ter- a lot of turmoil around him. Lakin Tomlinson's been bad at left guard. Right guard's been a complete revolving door. It's been a complete mess all season for the Jets. So I still think Joe Tipman's got a shot to be a really good player. I hope that you know he develops. I think a, another interesting show topic for the offseason, though might be should Joe Tipman play guard or center. I think there, there there's actually a pretty good argument either way on that one. And it's one that I wasn't expecting, uh, but I, I do think like there's something to be said that Tittman has played better, did play better at guard than he has at center so far, even though center is his natural position. And then you could go into the debate about whether or not uh, center is more valuable than guard. We, we get we could get into positional value, but for now, I'm just going to give Tittman my Jets Rookie of the Year because there's no other option. So congratulations to Joe Tittman. Uh, you know, last year's last year's number th- last year's third place finisher for rookie of the year probably would have won this year's in a runaway, but this year's Jets rookie class just did not make a big impact. And then breakout player of the year, this one's tough. I mean, you could go Huff, you could go Quincy. Um, I, I think I got to go Quincy Williams though. That guy's improved so much. In that, you know, Quincy Williams signed a very much. Quincy Williams got to be so mad because you want to have your career year the year before you sign a new contract. Quincy had his the year after he signed his contract. That's great for the team because the Jets have the Jets now have one of the best linebacker contracts in football. They signed him to a very moderate deal this offseason and he's blossomed into a star. So that was, you know, Jets offseason, as I said yesterday, the Jets offseason was a disaster. That was the best move, was re-signing Quincy to the, to the contract he got. Quincy Williams developing into a star. But ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we're going to turn our attention to some of the negatives. We've talked about some of the good stuff, but it's been a bad season for the Jets. I'm going to give out my least valuable player award. It's going to be a very difficult debate. A couple of guys in the same position are in the mix for this one. And I'll tell you who they are as we continue on this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And if you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Hill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find the community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. And you should know that Prize Picks offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For, f- for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. And Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with this injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100 using prizepicks. 
This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Tuesday. We're giving out Jets awards. We've given out a lot of good awards. The only negative award I've given out so far is worst coach of the year. Now we're going to move on to least valuable player. And this always generates a lot of discussion. I remember a few years ago, I made a least valuable player pick. It was Alex Kessman, who was the kicker the Jets had in 2021 for one game, and he missed two extra points against the Eagles. And I got a few months later, somebody did a mailbag question, like really taking me to task for not picking Denzel Mims. So this is a very hot topic. And unfortunately, this year, we have plenty of candidates for least valuable player, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, to be more specific, the wide receiver and offensive line positions. Dwayne Brown. I mean, the Jets, I, I can't get over that the Jets brought Dwayne Brown back at 38 years old, coming off a serious injury. And was there, it made him their only option. I mean, one thing if he's being brought back as a backup, but they brought him back as their only option to be a starting left tackle out of training camp. And it went so well that Brown got injured. And when he came back, the Jets were decimated by injuries on the offensive line. And Brown could only get it in the game as a jumbo tackle, a jumbo tight end. Mekhi Becton. I guess the one thing you could say for Becton is he stayed on the field this year for the most part, but it hasn't worked out. Almost at the top of the league for sacks and penalties. You know, there's no way the Jets can bring Mackay back to back this offseason. But you also have to look to the wide receiver position. Alan Lazard, the latest in a long line of Jets free agent disappointments at the wide receiver position. Latest in the long line of, of dis Jets disappointments at free agency period. But, you know, I look back on that and look at his career numbers in Green Bay. And this was playing with Aaron Rodgers. You know, sometimes you get a, sometimes if you have a great quarterback, you sign a guy from another team and say, you know what? Our quarterback's really going to bring the best out of this guy. This guy played with Aaron Rodgers his whole career and was never very good. And has pretty much set a new pretty much set every new career low this season and ended up being a healthy scratch late in the season. This contract is an albatross. He's going to be stuck with the Jets for another season. And normally Lazard would be your runaway winner of least value, least valuable player, at least least valuable valuable player at his position. But you have Randall Cobb also, who was brought in this offseason to play a major role, to be a starting receiver. Still irritates me. Four catches all season long. We'll always have the the touchdown against Houston. But here's the thing: the two of them may not even be the least valuable player at their own position because you have Mecole Hardman, who was signed this offseason for reasons I still don't entirely understand. And was this signing was praised for reasons I don't quite entirely understand, and ended up essentially like never playing and then getting shipped off to Kansas City. So where do you go? I mean, these are five candidates who in most years would be again the runaway winner. Kind of like last year's rookie class, you had three guys who would be the runaway winner in most any most most any other year. This year you have five guys who are legitimate least valuable player candidates. So who is it? Is it on the offensive line? Is it at the wide receiver position? My instinct is to go on the offensive line because that more than anything has destroyed the jet season, but I can't look away from these receivers. I mean, how, how must it feel to be Garrett Wilson, to be doing your job every week and look across and see these guys got to be rough. I ultimately decided I, I, I went back and forth on this. I changed my mind consistently. I went with me Cole Hardman though. For a couple of reasons. First of all, he didn't even make it to the end of the year with the team. You know, Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard may be getting benched. You know, Dwayne Brown may be benched. But Kai Beckton has stayed in the lineup. But at least at least they, these guys didn't get kicked off the team. Nicole Hardman, and maybe it's harsh to call him say he was kicked off the team, but the Jets dumped him. And the thing is, like, the Jets got like nothing in return. The Jets literally just gave him away to Kansas City. They got zero value. I mean, it was a, a, a late-round pick swap. There was nothing they got in return. So th this guy really contributed nothing to this team. At least Randall Cobb, again, had that touchdown in December. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot else. But 
had that touchdown in December. Here's the other thing with Nicole Hardman. There, I don't want to like go too far in saying there was logic behind the other decisions the Jets made, but you can at least like kind of understand what they were thinking when they brought Brown and Beckton back. I mean, I, I don't want to stretch that too far because these were horrible decisions, but you know, these are ones where I can at least maybe understand a little bit how they talked. No, I can't understand how they talked themselves into it, but it's at least a clearer path than like talking yourself into Nicole Hartman. And the same goes with Lazard and Cobb. At the time, we knew these were not good moves. But at least like these guys had a history with Aaron Rodgers. At least you could say, you know what, chemistry matters between a quarterback and a receiver. Now, the fact that Cobb was, you know, pretty Cobb's best days are far behind him and he can't really contribute anymore. That should have been a red flag. The fact that Lazard never really produced with Aaron Rodgers that much, that should have been a red flag. But at least you could say, okay, we're, we have a new quarterback. We're bringing in receivers we're familiar with. It's a horrible, I can't, it's very unconvincing, I admit, but at least like it makes more sense than Nicole Hardman, who produced virtually nothing in Kansas City with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So this guy does very little with the Chiefs, but he's going to come to the Jets and produce. For that reason, Nicole Hardman wins my least valuable player award of 2023. And it was good. It was hard. These were, there were five legitimate candidates for this one. But Nicole Hardman, I think, is the guy who ultimately takes the award. But Sauce Gardner is still here. So that's the positive. And the positive for the Jets is that Sauce Gardner, Quinn and Williams, these guys are going to be around for quite a while. And Jets at least do, you know, in, in a season that's been very difficult, the Jets do have a lot of talent entering their prime. Far fewer Nicole Hardman's, hopefully, going forward. But that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you enjoy the show and listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody. Send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow we'll have our weekly mailbag show.